You're listening to the Sojourner Podcast, a podcast from Sojourner Church in Concord, North Carolina. If you'd like a little bit more information about Sojourner, visit www.sojourner.church. All right, my friends, let's go ahead and dive into this week's message. What up, Sojo? Good morning. Come on. Good morning. While I'm warming up this iPad, you guys, uh, I'm so excited for you guys to be here. If you don't know me, my name is Corey, and uh, I'll be out back um, whenever the service is over. I would love to meet you if this is your first time. Please, if it is your first time, make sure you fill out this connection card that you have right here and take it back there to the back where I think Kiafa will be standing, and you'll get a gift from us, and we really want to bless you today. Uh, And speaking of blessing, I believe that the Lord wants to bless us today, so let's go to him and ask him to bless this time. Father, in Jesus' name, the only name, I come before you believing that you have a word. Not me, but you. And I ask you to fill my heart, God, with your spirit. Not by might, not by strength, but by the spirit. God, I pray over every single person because It's weird how you have one message, but your one message can reach each and every person. And I pray that over every single person today. I pray our hearts are open. Sometimes we can come to church just to click off a box. And I pray, God, we just diminish that in the name of Jesus. That we come here to hear a word from you because your word is living. It is active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It is able to cut to the joints and to the marrow. It's able to speak to us in every single situation. And I thank you that that's your word, not mine. God, endow me with your spirit today to speak to your people because your people need a word from you and not from me. And I pray this in the most wonderful, most majestic, most important name that was ever penned, the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Man, aren't you glad we serve a good God? Can I get a, can we, can we clap for that? Aren't we glad we serve a good God? You know, I was, I was up here and watching communion, and I, I, I'm, I'm so blessed that we take communion every single week, and I think the thing that blesses me more than anything is seeing people bring their burdens down to this school stage that pretty much acts as an altar for us today. And I just want to let you know that as you take communion, that this is open. This is open at any point, any time. For you to bring your burdens to the Lord. Because guess what? God wants you to bring your burdens to him. Amen? Amen. 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 So Dan did a great job. Can we clap for Dan? Because he did a great job last week. I watched Dan's message and there's one idea that I got from Dan's message. And this one idea was this. That we fight as we go through this book of Ephesians. We close it out today. We fight not from a position for victory. We don't fight for victory. You you hear that? So oftentimes when you're fighting with your spouse, you're fighting with somebody, you're trying to win. But what Dan uncovered for us last week is that we don't fight from a position for victory, but we fight from a position from victory. And that is just one simple letter added to a word, but it makes all the difference in the world because when we realize that God has already won the war, then I have a different countenance. My back stands a little bit straighter. I'm able to stand a little bit stronger when the wind and when the rain and when the hail comes against me. I know that I don't fight for it, 
but I fight from it. And I want to give that word just over us today because guess what? Even though the war has already been won, the war's been won. The final thing has been written. We know how it ends. But even though the war has already been won, that does not mean that you and I still do not face battles every single day. Amen? Amen. We are still fighting a battle day in and day out. Some of us are fighting a battle of cancer. Some of us are fighting battles of relationships. Some are fighting battles of finances, of jobs, and everything in between. But the truth remains the same. Even though the war has been won, we're all still fighting a very real, a very present battle. So I want to ask you today, what is your battle? What is your thing that you are fighting against? And I think that the one thing that Dan uncovered for us is that when we fight a battle, the battle that we are fighting is not against people. And let's be honest, when we fight our battles, the way that we retaliate is typically against people. We feel like people come against us, and because people come against us, we then seek revenge against the person that came against us. And I love the analogy of Dan getting Robert to tap him on the shoulder and Kiafa standing back here. Because that's the enemy. The enemy taps us on the shoulder and disappears. Because our enemy is an unseen enemy. Can I get an amen? amen. Our enemy is an unseen enemy. And he uses very physical, very real people in his tactics. And so we wage war against physical people. We wage wars against that. We're waging the war in the wrong direction. You see, we need a spiritual armor for a spiritual enemy. Our enemy is not physical. Our enemy is not somebody that we can see with our own two eyes. The only eyes that we can see our enemy with is with the spiritual eyes that God gives us when we put on this armor that we're going to talk about today. Now listen to these verses. Jesus says in John chapter 10 that the thief, this thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come to give life and life abundantly. And if I were going around to each and every person, say there's 75, 80 people in this room, I think I would be overjoyed if more than 10 of you said that I'm living that abundant life. Because most of us are allowing the enemy to win in our lives. We're allowing for him to steal from us. We're allowing him to kill us. And ultimately, we're allowing him to destroy us. Ain't no person, I'm going to get redneck. Ain't no person in here that wants the enemy to destroy you. Amen? Amen. Nobody in here wants the enemy to destroy you. Everybody in here wants you to be able, through the power of Christ, to destroy the enemy. But it takes intentionality to do that. It doesn't happen on accident. We have to develop a battle plan. Anybody who goes into a battle without a plan plans to what? Fail. Jesus says this in John chapter 16, a little bit later. He said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life. And he says this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, in this world, you will have troubles. Amen. Anybody going through a battle today? Raise your hand if you're going through a battle today. In this world, you will have troubles. So if you have trouble today, guess what? Join the club because all of us do. Jesus doesn't promise us a sunshine and rainbow life when we give our lives to Jesus. What Jesus promises us is help through the storms. 
the ability to get through the storms victorious. He says, take heart for I have overcome this world. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome this world. Jesus has overcome every, 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 every single battle. Every battle. Whatever you're facing, Jesus has already seen that battle to fruition. The question is, is will you plug into his plan? Amen? Come on. That's good. I don't care who you are. That's good right there. Jesus has overcome every single one of our battles. The question is, is will you plug in to his plan? When you get fresh perspective, you're able to see the enemy for who he really is. This unseen enemy, you are able to see, guess what? Because you're not fighting with physical armor, physical battle plans, but you're fighting with spiritual battle plans. And speaking of all the spiritual battle plans, let's go to the scripture that we have in Ephesians chapter 6. This is our last message that that we are going to go through as we go through this Ephesians. Next week, we're going to start a new series. We'll tell you about that a little bit later on. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it will be on the screen if you do not have a Bible or if you don't have a phone that has a Bible on it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 through 18. Therefore, anytime you see the word therefore in the scripture, that means you need to take it seriously, by the way. Anytime you see a conjunction like therefore or but or and, those are words that you need to pay attention because he's about to tell you what you are supposed to do. And the very first words after therefore is to take up, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that specifically in just a few moments. But he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. See, that's the Apostle Paul's goal for you. The Apostle Paul's goal, Jesus' goal for us, is to be able to stand firm in the midst of a trial. That's his goal. For you to say you have weathered the storm. Weathered the storm. Meaning you have gone through it victoriously. I think about a tree that goes through a tornado. Just because the tree goes through a tornado and there's a little bark missing but it's still standing, that tree has weathered the storm because its roots are deep. It doesn't stop the wind from blowing. It doesn't stop the, the rain from coming down as much as it can. It doesn't stop a two by four from hitting it right in the side and that bark may come off, but the tree still stands. Why? Because its roots are deep. And that's the Lord's goal for each and every one of us, that our roots would be deep so that we can withstand the trials that are gonna come it's not a matter of if you're going to go through a trial. It's when and how often and how hard. Verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having fastened on this belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up this shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit. With all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert. With all perseverance, main supplication for the saints. There are six items of warfare 
Six pieces of armor that the Apostle Paul tells us to put on. And the first piece of armor is this idea of belt of truth. Now, if anybody knew me two years ago, I found out that I had diabetes and I weighed 330 pounds. Now I weigh about 275, 280, depending on how many little Debbie cakes I ate the night before. But the point is, I've lost a little bit of weight since then, and, and one of the greatest joys is this belt that I wear right here. This belt that I wear uh, has, a, I have to use a, a hair tie so that I can make sure that I can put it on because I've lost so many notches in my belt. You see, when I, at my heaviest, I had to have the very first notch on my belt. That was the only way I could buckle the belt. But now I've actually started poking holes in my belt as notches to represent how much weight that I've lost. And the point is, is that if I didn't do that, then my pants would fall down. And the reason why I'm saying that is because the Apostle Paul is telling us to put on this idea of truth. Because if you don't have truth, you'll get caught with your pants down. See, the Roman soldier had a tunic that went all the way down to his ankles. And if he was going to fight, I don't know if he could fight in a dress. Ladies, you tell me. You guys are a little bit more skilled at that than I am. But before the Roman soldier would go into battle, he would take that tunic and he would raise it up and he would stick it in his belt so that he was prepared for battle. In the same way, in 2019, when one thing and one thing alone is being waged war on, and that word is the truth. In 2019, I don't know if there is such thing as objective truth. I think that if you ask enough people what is two plus two, they would say five and believe it with their whole heart. And because they believe it with their whole heart, it would be true. But listen, there has to be objective moral truth. And Jesus said this, y'all. The truth shall. What? The truth shall. The truth shall. The only way for us to begin our warfare is to arm ourselves with the truth and the truth of who Jesus is, that he is God. We take that all the way back to our very first message in Ephesians, that we have to arm ourselves with the truth that Jesus is God and that he has saved me. And because of his salvation, I am right with God, which leads me to the next thing. He tells us to put on this breastplate of righteousness. The Roman soldier would arm himself with something that had a layer of leather on the inside and a layer of metal on the outside. And what he did, he wore this to protect his vital organs. In the same way that righteousness protects us against darts and arrows and all kinds of different things. And the idea that I want us to leave us with, with this idea of righteousness is that we do not earn righteousness based on our own merit. That somehow we feel like we are made right with God, that is righteousness, by being good. The only thing that makes us righteous to be made right with God is through the cross. That's how I'm made right with God. My belief in this truth and that when I believe this truth, he makes me right. 
Which leads me to the third idea of the armor, which is this, these shoes. And it says to take on the, the, the sandals of readiness. And when I was thinking about this, my idea in 2019 what sandals are, are like Birkenstocks. Anybody? Or like if, like if I show my age a little bit, rainbows, rainbows. So like when I think of Birkenstocks and I think of rainbows, I don't think of soldiers. I just want to be honest. I think about a late July Saturday afternoon when I'm grilling up some hamburgers and I'm going to enjoy the outside. Can I get amen? amen? It doesn't sound like something that I need to arm myself with. When I think the Apostle Paul talked about taking the feet of readiness, I think about the guys who are getting ready to play football in the next hour to an hour and a half and the shoes that they have on, especially if they're playing on real grass, they have to have these shoes that have these cleats that are about... Uh, a half inch deep. Now, if you went all the way back to the 60s and 70s, these football players, those cleats, those things were about that big, and sometimes they would step on people, but that's not the point that we're talking about right now. (laughs) The idea is this. Listen, if you are a soldier and your whole point of being a soldier is to stand your ground and there are 10,000 people charging at you, the only way for you to stand your ground is to have a firm grip on that which is before you. Not only that, when I think about the Revolutionary War and I think about the Korean War and the Revolutionary War, their biggest fight as it got cold was their feet. They had to get their feet warm. They needed more socks. And what would happen is their socks would get wet as they went through the trenches and then it would get cold. And so then their feet would get frozen. They would start doing things to their toes that we don't even want to talk about in church. And the Korean War is the same thing. They had these socks and they were so moist and so damp. They kept getting gangrene and all these different things. We have to take care of our feet. Chris is like, that's nasty. He says to have feet readiness to share the gospel. Guys, what are we as a church if we're not sharing the gospel? We're nothing more than a holy huddle protecting ourselves against the outside world. Our feet have to be ready. The Apostle Paul in Romans says in chapter 10, how beautiful are the feet of those who go and share the gospel. He's making a recollection all the way back to the book of Isaiah, which Isaiah talked about this suffering servant that was going to come and how beautiful was his feet. And you think about Mary, what did she do? She washed his feet. Our feet have to be ready to go share this gospel of peace. What's that word of peace other than shalom? When we think of Shalom, we think like more Birkenstock stuff, like peace, like peace, man. The word Shalom means to bring that which is broken into completeness. The gospel brings people into completeness. We have to be ready to share the gospel that God takes broken things and makes them whole. You don't have to know all the points of Calvinism or all the points of Arminianism or all the different dispensations of whatever theology you believe in. What you need to know is that I love Jesus. He loves me. And I love you. Come on. Come on. I love Jesus. He loves me. And I love you. 
That is the feet that are ready to go and share this gospel. I love him. He loves me. And I love you. Even when you spit in my face. You know what? I got another one. Another cheek that is not another face. That's a little weird. <laughs> I think I got three more left if you guys are tracking with me. Would somebody give me a whoop whoop if you're tracking with me? All right. All right. This last one is called the shield of faith. Or not the last one. The, uh, the, hump, the hump, we, we hump day. Hump day. So the, the, the shield of faith is this. When, it, when a Roman soldier would go into battle, he didn't have a little round shield. He had a four-foot-tall shield that was 48 inches tall, 16 inches wide. It was made of three pieces of material. It was a combination of three little pieces, uh, veneer pieces of wood shaped together that had been formed into uh, a shield-like fashion, then layered with canvas and then layered with leather and then had a little pieces of ornate metal just to dress it up to make it look good. And what the Apostle Paul tells us is to take the shield of faith that is to help us against the, the fiery darts of the enemy. And what the Roman soldier knew if he was going to go chase a castle or go chase a wall where they were going to have archers that were going to sling arrows, especially arrows with fire at them, they would go down to a river. And they would soak that shield in water. Because the, the, the shield's made out of wood and leather and canvas. And so they would soak that shield in water. So that when those darts would come at them, guess what happened? What? What would happen? They would go out immediately. What is water in the Bible? Life. And what is water also in the Bible? It's a metaphor for the, starts with an S, ends with the irrit, spirit. Spirit. I said it ends with, I didn't say the middle thing. Water is life and life is the spirit. And so what are we to do? Because the enemy is going to come at you with arrows. It's not a matter of if the enemy is going to come out with you with arrows. He is going to come at you with arrows. So what are you going to do? You need to soak your life in the spirit so that you can have faith. And what is faith? It is believing God when it doesn't make sense. We have to believe God even when it doesn't make sense. And the only way that I can truly believe God when it doesn't make sense is when I'm full of the Spirit. So the only way for me to be full of the Spirit is to soak myself in Him. How do you soak yourself in Him? You're making a really good start here. You're here. But now you need to go home and you need to soak yourself on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And come back again fired up to raise them hands to praise the name of Jesus. The, last, the two last things, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. The helmet of salvation, if you think about a Roman soldier, that is the one thing you think about. Amen? It's the one thing you think about because he's got that big red mohawk. The Roman soldier helmet was a symbol of indistinction, if I said that right. It was the one thing that separated that soldier because as soon as you saw him coming, you knew exactly what he was. So if the Apostle Paul calls the helmet of salvation the very thing that is the most noticeable about the Roman soldier, what is he trying to say? He's trying to say that our salvation is should be demonstrable. 
it should be noticeable. The only reason that people know you as a Christian, if you checked in on Facebook today, that's sad. I'm sorry. Like, I don't mean to throw you like shade or bombs. That's not my heart. That's not my aim. But what I'm saying is, is that our salvation should be seen. Our salvation should be the thing that marks us differently. People should be able to see it a mile away. Why? Because we love God. He loves us. And we love you. Not only that, but the, the helmet of salvation. If you're getting hit over the head with a, with a, a sword or a hammer or whatever else they used 2,000 years ago, that helmet would help out a little bit. It means you won't die. In the same way, what does salvation do? It protects us against the oncoming physical death that we are going to have because we know because I have been marked, that helmet is a mark. Because I've been marked, I know that I have life, not just now, but even in the world to come. Now, I want you to notice something. We've talked about five different weapons. And all five of those weapons are defensive. There's only one weapon that's offensive. And it is the word of God. The sword of the spirit. And as I was praying, yesterday I was driving home from uh, some town, Asheville or something like that, and doing a wedding. And I was thinking about, you know, God, how do, I, how, do I, how, do I, how do I do this? And the one word that I had was rhema. And that's a word that you probably have never heard before. And I understand it's like one of those Greek words. But rhema is a living and an active word over your life for a particular season. And if we are going to fight against the oncoming enemy, y'all, hear me. It's not a matter if the enemy is after you. It's how much he is after you and how hard he is coming against you. And the five things that we've talked about are the defensive things that you have to put on. And now we're talking about the one thing that God gives you the ability to fight with. And the one thing that God gives you the ability to fight with is his word. It is his word. And the one thing that we don't do the most in the modern church today is what? Receive the word. The one thing that God has given us to fight with the most is the one thing that we reject the hardest. Why? Because we are busy. Why? Because we don't understand it. And I know that you're busy. I'm busy. <coughs> and I was thinking about this morning. I'm going to make a really weird parallel. You know, we're talking about this marriage conference and, you know, people are talking about uh, coming and, and not coming. And, and I think about the one, the one reason why a lot of people will say is, you know, well, I don't have the money to do that right now. And I get, don't hear me say this. Number one, if money is an issue for you not to come right now, don't let it be an issue because we, we have scholarships. We'll take care of that. So just first off, let you guys know that. But how much does a divorce cost? And I'm not just talking about cash. How much emotional does a divorce cost? It costs so much. And what if you traded $80 and eight hours of your time that prevented you from getting a divorce? And not just getting a divorce, 
But the difference between a, a, a marriage that's roommates, between a marriage that is lovers. I'd much rather be a lover with that woman than a roommate because we've experienced both, haven't we? And thank God for this season. And it happened, one of the biggest turning points that we had was going to a marriage conference. It saved our marriage. Now, why am I saying that in reference to all this? Is because until we arm ourselves with that which counts the most, we will be paying the ultimate price, our lives. A young lady in our small group last week talked about an ongoing issue that's happening over and over and over and over and over again. And I want to give you this idea that I gave to her. Sometimes the Lord allows you to go through a particular situation, trial, or triumph for one reason. Because he's trying to teach you something about himself. And until you learn the lesson, you are doomed to repeat the trial. And what I'm advocating for, y'all, is God to give us a word, a rhema, a living and active word over your life for a particular season. And how do you do it? How do you get it? You go back to that shield and you soak yourself. You soak yourself in his word. You soak yourself in his presence. You get involved in a small group. You, you serve. You do all things that you can to surround yourself with the things of God. And all of us have work to do. And so I want to close with this. What in the heck does it mean to put on the armor of God? Because in 2019, I definitely ain't putting a big mohawk on my head. Uh, I like my Birkenstocks or my rainbows, and I don't need a belt. So what does it mean to clothe or to put on the armor of God? And I got just this one idea. In five verses, five verses that we just read, Paul says one word six times. One phrase, it's not the same word, but it kind of takes the same thing, is to put on. And in other epistles that Paul writes, what Paul compares us to is clothing ourselves with Christ. Now, if any of you guys came to church, you woke up, and let's say you just sleep in your underwear. I don't know. I don't want to go there. Let's just say you sleep in your underwear. And you showed up to church in your underwear, you might be a little bit embarrassed. Every single one of us knew within our heart of hearts that one thing that we had to do before we came was to put on clothes. And I thank you for that. And everybody else thanks you for that. In the same way that we put on clothes every single day, if we are going to fight this battle, we have to learn to clothe ourselves with Christ. We have to soak ourselves in his presence day in and day out. We have to learn that coming to Christ isn't a one-time day salvation. You didn't need salvation in VBS whenever you got saved or uh, whatever. Let me, let me backtrack. You needed salvation, but that's not the only time that you need salvation. You need salvation today. You need salvation tomorrow. You are in the continuous work of God saving you. 
Salvation is not a one-time event. It is a lifetime of occurrences. And so today, all of us need to learn how to clothe ourselves with this Christ. Some of you guys say, I I get that, and and I'm with that, and I'm all for that. And I thought about this, that some of us, for the first time, we just need to clothe ourselves with Christ. I thought about it in another way. I thought about, you know, some of us, we're in this stale, stagnant season of our life. And it's a lot like being uh, the guy from Peanuts that's got the flies and the gnats that come around him. Pigpen, is that his name? It's like a person who gets up and, and wears the same pair of clothes day after day after day after day after day after day. You guys get the idea. And people start avoiding them. They start smelling bad. They, they're just altogether not in a good place. And so I believe there's two types of people in here today. There are people that need for the first time to clothe themselves with Christ because they're going through a battle. And there are people in here that just need a fresh word. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know which person I'm talking to. I know I'm talking to all the people, but I don't know which person needs which thing. I just know that all of us are going through battles. That's the one thing I do know. You're either in a battle, coming out of a battle, or getting ready to go into a battle. And I know that the Apostle Paul is telling us to fight a spiritual enemy, we need a spiritual solution. And to fight this spiritual enemy, we have to learn how to put on this armor. And what it means to put on this armor is to clothe ourselves with Christ. Day in and day out. And it's not enough. It's a good start to be here. It's a good start. But there is more. Now listen, look here, look here. I know like when I say the word there's more, what gets connotated is there's more that I have to do. And here's the idea that I want to give away as I close. God doesn't want anything from you. He don't need anything from you. He's got it all. And if he's got it all, then he wants to give something to you. When I say that there's something more, what I'm saying is not that there's something more that you have to do. I'm saying there's more that you can receive. That you can walk life with a back that's straighter, with more confidence, with more hope, with more purpose. And that's what this church is about. Life, peace, and purpose. And the reason why this church is about life, peace, and purpose is because this church is about him. And that's what he comes to give is life, peace, and purpose. The question is, is will you ask him? Will you go to him and say, I need it? We're getting ready to sing a song that says, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. It's a repetitive song. But it's a great song because it says, this is how I fight my battles. And then the chorus says, when I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. Is that that the exact phrase? Jordan, can you say the phrase? It may look like I'm surrounded by my enemies, but in fact, I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. It's a perspective. It's a mind shift. It's a heart shift. It is laying out the thing that is your pain and allowing God to overcome. Let us pray. Father, help us in this moment to fight our battles.
People are in different places today, but every single person needs to put you on. This is how we fight our battles. God, when I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. God, every single person in this place right here, right now needs a touch, needs faith, needs hope, needs courage. And that faith and that hope and that courage comes from you. May we receive it today. May we take our hands and may we grab it because you are freely offering it, freely giving it. God, allow us to have hope courage, life, purpose, and peace. In Jesus' name.